Hey, it's Todd Graves with the Feeling of Greatness podcast, and I have in my studio one of the most important guys at Graves Golf, Thomas Purvis. He's just got back from a long vacation with the family. It was so good. So amazing. I bet. There's so much that goes on here at Graves Golf. It's it's exciting, but we love to get away from it once in a while because we need some some space and, and kind of what I want to, where we're going to kind of start off today's program with is just a lot of times when I think about these programs, I don't really have in my head a reason to get on a podcast, but I let kind of the, the kind of the circumstances of what kind of comes to me uh, roll into the podcast. And sometimes it just it's just like when I give presentations, I don't ever prepare for my presentations. I just let it flow out of, out of the ether. And I know what is coming to my mind today. And it, it's been rolling around. My, my father passed away last week. And a lot of this stuff has come to my mind because of the importance of the people in our lives. And so I think one of the things I'd like to talk about in the podcast is just how important it is, the people that we surround ourselves with. We've noticed that a lot here at Graves Golf, but not not just here at the company, but on a personal level, how important it is to be around people that not only have, and, and, and the topic to me comes down to the values that people have. And so I, I want to talk about value systems and the values, okay. not not just values of of what we do at Graves Golf, which we talk about that a lot here at the company yeah. at Graves Golf, but just, damn, the, the, the people that we we associate with that are so important to us that help us actually um, develop our own values. And I've been thinking a lot about my dad because it was, um, it, and I'll, I'll read a quote and, and you'll appreciate this quote. This is because you brought um, this, a book to the team uh, last week. And, and this is Simon Sinek. And he, he, his quote is our friends don't love us for what we do. Our friends love us for who we are. Oh Yeah. And so that's, that's the topic because, um, because you can't fake who you are, right? No, no, I not mean, at all. Right. <laughs> so, so to me that that's, that's why I think it's so important that we, we, um, exemplify and who, who we set examples for like, like my job, I, I was, I was going through the stuff in my head the last couple, this last week since my father's passing. And it's like, you know, that saying, I'm honor thy mother and thy father, right? Mm-hmm. I never knew what that meant. Yeah. I never knew what that meant. I was like, what does that mean? You know? And I, re- I finally realized what it means and here's what it means. Cause, and I'll give you, I'll give you, tell you a quick story. So I'm driving down the road and, um, this is, this is literally the day after dad passed away and I'm just in my own thoughts and I'm kind of just driving super slow down the road and there's a car behind me and it's, it's a, it's a woman and she's just tailgating me and, and less mad. She's like flashing her lights and super angry. And I, and so part of me kind of reacted to it. Like, Oh my, you know what the, and I said, no, 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 no. Maybe she's having something's going on and she's in a hurry. Right. Mm-hmm. So I kind of pulled over and my thought was instead of get angry, how would dad want me to respond to this? Yeah. Right. So I kind of just drift aside. I'm like, okay, you know, forgive and let, let her hope she's okay. And say a little prayer for her. And I kind of said a little prayer for her as she drove past and she sped away and she's just super fast. 
And then she takes a left into Starbucks. But but that's not the story. That's not the story. The story oh, the story is how you respond, right? Yeah. And and the value system that you carry with you. And so that's been growing around in my head a lot because because I've grabbed it, it, I've been so lucky. Uh I've been so I'm so grateful for the people that I've been able to be around. My father being a big part of that, but even even guys like um um, everybody who seems to kind of gravitate to our company. It's really amazing to me, the people that we associate. It's one of the privileges of doing what we do oh, yeah. here at Graves Golf. And, um, and I just think the right people show up. And I think they only show up because of the value systems we carry with us. Right. And you can't fake it. No, you can't. And, and I think a, bi- a big part too that, um, you know, is, is when you create that culture and that the the value system around the people then that that as they show up they're saying hey I want to be a part of this I want to be a part of what you know you all do as an organization who you are as a group of people and we've seen that in some of our new staffers and people who have come on you know Chris on our team I mean he's he wanted to come be a part of yeah. us and I think you know the same thing happens a lot of times with our customers too is that you know certain types of people are attracted to us as a company and so it's just it kind of continues to grow and build and and it makes you feel good when you're around, you know, all those people that are like-minded, you know, especially from our team driven and, and it, it helps, um, it helps make you want to get out of bed. Mm. Like this morning, I didn't want to get out of bed. I was on vacation for a week. I was tired, but I wanted to come be here with this team. I wanted to see you. I want to see Tim because I haven't seen you all in a week. And, and so, you know, that's what it's all about you know, I think in a, in a lot of ways and the people that you're around and in that culture. Yeah. I think, I think when you, when you're, when you're around people that have that same depth of value that you, there's a, just a level of, of trust is probably some of it. It's just, it's a level that you all can, um, you're, we're all speaking the same language. We're all speaking the, the, uh, it's, it's just, we're all in the same, this together, right? It's like, we're all in this together. Right. And so, so I, I, lo- I love all that. And, and it's funny because, because a lot of times when I'm in, in teaching mode and I'm working with people and, you know, so doing stuff I really, really love to do. There's some people I just don't like to work with. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Like, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just, it's not that it has nothing to do with anything. Look, you can be the worst golfer in the world and not have the worst mechanics or whatever. And I still love to work with you. Right. Right. But there's just some people mm-hmm. and I always wondered, you know, I just, I just, you know, I, I just kind of find myself pulling away from some people yeah. and, you know, I don't know why. And it just has, has a lot to do with, you know, showing up with gratitude, showing up with appreciation, showing up with the values that I look for most in people. Well, I remember we did a school one time in San Diego and, and, uh, I guess I'm not, I'm not always, I, always, I do these podcasts sometimes. I feel like maybe I shouldn't say certain things, but it is a podcast. And sometimes I get kind of embarrassed about how I behaved in the past, but you know, what the <laughs> hell I'll share. I'll share. It's here, here to share. Um, but we had a student show up at the school and this was God, this was, and I think my dad was actually at this, at this school. Cause we used to, he used to come to some of the events and I was teaching the student. No, so what we used to do is we used to do a final evaluation at the end of the school. In other words, we teach you for the three days or the five days. We do one final wrap up evaluation before you left. And all the instructors were coming to me saying that this one student, he's impossible. Like, like 
they were walking the line going, and no, no one can work with this guy. And what would happen was you'd go to work with him and you'd be making changes and he would start not getting the results he wanted. And he would turn right to you and go, let me just go back to what I was doing before I got here. Right. So it was just this constant battle of, of him not opening up to the instruction and it was very hard to teach him. And so no one would work with him anymore. We just, no one could work with the guy. And so the, we go to the final evaluation the last day we're at the final evaluation and every, no, I, I just, he just wasn't listening to anything we had to say. And I put him up in front of the cameras and I said, okay, I need you to, you know, take a swing. And he goes, well, what do you want me to do? Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you want me to change in my swing? And I'm like, the same effing thing we've been doing for five straight days. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I go, and now we're at, we're at day five. We got 30 minutes left. And now you're saying, what do you want me to do? You should have been doing it for five straight days. Right. So sometimes that coach comes out on me and I, you know, it's frustrating. Right. But I, I want to compare this to another person at the school. There is this other gentleman. And every time you would help him, he would turn to you and say, thank you so much for that. That makes a lot of sense. I really appreciate that. Even if it didn't make sense, he goes, can you clarify one thing? And then, but he would, he would end with appreciation. I mean, gratitude. Yeah. Right? And that is massive. Oh yeah. That is massive. Um, I'll, I'll, I won't tell the story in, in the right way, but I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase a, a parable that, that I recently read. And it, it was about a, a student, actually it was a soldier came to a master and said, master, can you teach me the difference between heaven and hell? And the master says, says, I cannot teach you the difference. And the soldier being, being a soldier said, I should, I should kill you master for not being able, you're a master. You should be able to teach me the difference between heaven and hell. And I'm angry and I should kill you. And the master turned to him and says, that's hell. That's what hell is. Hmm. And the, and the soldier realized what the master had just told him and, and became appreciative. And he said, master, thank you. I appreciate you for teaching me what hell feels like. And the, the soldier became grateful and the master said, that's heaven. Hmm. So it's interesting how it's just, you know, we can take ourselves places and that, and that builds our worlds. Right. I mean, the reason you can uh, be, if you want to be around people, that you want to be around, be that person. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is what it comes down to. And you, and that's, that's how do you teach that? Yeah. Well, and I think it's one of the things too, for us uh, as, as an organization and, and with our students, you know, is, is as people gravitate towards us and the people that we want to work with, you know, those that get upset sometimes about this or that, I look at it like, look, like we're a recreation. It's golf. You know, I mean, we're not performing heart surgery. We're not doing, you know, these things. When you start thinking about, you know, how to act or, or have gratitude or, or this or that, it's like, I don't get it sometimes because at the end of the day, we're just out there all to have a good time to learn, a, learn a game, you know, beat our buddies, you know, enjoy, enjoy some time outdoors. Um, and it's like, why? You know, it's like the, the example you gave of the lady that was up on you, you know, flashing her lights, honking all that. So she can get to Starbucks. Like why? Yeah. Why, why do you need to do that to get, you know, your, your, your four shots over ice? Here's what's crazy. <laughs> I've done it. 
Yeah. I, I've been that person, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not saying I won't be that person. I'm, I work it. We're all, we're, we're all working progress. Right. I mean, you've seen me impatient as hell and, you know, raising hell. No, not at all. No, no nobody. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm an angel. Right. But, <laughs> but again, you know, I, I think the, 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 the key is to recognize it. And, and the key is also to, um, again, maybe take inventory of who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Right. Who do I want to be? You've done, you know, damn well, you've done things in your life that when you walked away, like that didn't feel good. Yeah. How I was didn't feel good. Right. And that's not how I want to be, even though, mm-hmm. you know, you behave like that and it's, it's fine. You're a human being, right? No one's going to be perfect. Yeah. My father wasn't perfect. Right? right. But, but he was an amazing human being. So it's just, it, it's going to take us. It's going to take, I'll tell you another quick story. Um, your friends should call you out on your shit. Like that's how you know, that's how you know, that's how you know that you're, yeah, you have good friends that have good values around you because what, here's what happens. You do something that doesn't match your value system and your friends will know it. Your family will know it and they need to come to you and say, Hey, it's not who you are. Right. And maybe you're under stress and life isn't going well and there's problems like that's this life. But your friends are the ones that come to you and say, Hey, let's, let me, let me, let me help you get through this because I know who you are. Yeah. Right. They don't blame you. They don't judge you. They don't hold, you know, they don't, they don't write you off. Right. They just said, Hey, let's go back to who you really are. Those are the people you want around you. I love, I love, I mean, I got some amazingly strong men or as friends in my life. I've, I've always had great mentors, great mentors, but they've all called me out on my shit all the mm-hmm. time. And that's what I love them for. Right. Yeah. My dad did it all the time. Right. And he'd just be, beat it into me if he had to. And, and I appreciated that for him. I'm, oh, yeah. I was so glad he did. My mom has done it to me as well. Um, but then I've had other men that, that I've become friends with that c- consistently keep me on track. We need that. Oh yeah. We need that. So desperate in our lives, you know? And, uh, and to me, that's, that's really how you honor your parents because you, they, they try to instill that value systems in you and you sure. need to go forward and help other. And, and to that point, I, I, here's my question for you today in, in the show. Can you be, can you teach what you're not? I don't think so. Well, I mean, you can, cause there's a lot of people that do it, but no, I think it's hard. You know, I mean, you, you know, you, you talk about strong people. I mean, I, I look at you and Tim, you know, I mean, you guys have over the last five years of me being involved in this organization, I've changed a lot in, in certain ways of how I've been previously. I feel like I've become a better, um, you know, better man, a better leader, you know, part of the organization. And I thank you guys for, for that involvement, but it's, it's, it does become hard in in a lot of ways of how, how can you get up and live your life in a way that you want to be, or that you feel like you should be, or how you help people, but you're not willing to be it yourself. Like, for example, uh, we just, we rolled out the, the new putter. The first day that we had staff putting putters together, I went and built putters with them because I wasn't willing just to say, Hey, go figure it out. No, let's go do it together. Let's figure out the right way. And then they've continued on. But if, if I felt like if as a leader, I wasn't willing to go put in the hard work with them, then how would they see the value in making sure that that's good for our customers? And so I think you got to lead a lot of those by example. And so to be able to teach others and to be able to be that example you got to do the work. You got to be there alongside them. You got to, you know, put in, put in the effort to help teach. 
that's the that's the point though, right? Yeah. Because because you led by an example. Right? right. I mean, if you I think that's so important that you, that people do that. Yeah. Because if you if you didn't have if that if if that wasn't important to you, then you wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And then everybody around you sees how important that is and mm-hmm. you let them say, Hey, this is a very important thing. That's why I'm involved right now. And so that's how important it is. Even Ollie's freaking out right now because he's running down there to make sure it's all meeting mm-hmm. the standards that you set. So, so to me, again, you know, the question becomes: Can you, can you, um, can you teach what you're not? And yeah. I, I don't think you can, mm-hmm. right? And so, it doesn't mean that we can't all grow, right? Yeah. But and I think that's another whole value system is is the value system of growth. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I, I'm not saying you need to run around and say, okay, I, I got to be better. I got to be better. But just grow in maturity, grow in your values systems grow. You make better decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, there's a really good book I've been, I've been reading. Um, let me look it up real quick. It's, uh, I got to admit, like, have you ever read a book, Thomas, that you're like, I feel like I wrote this book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let me look this up real quick. I want to, oh, it's, it's called Don't Believe Everything You Think. Hmm. And I swear to God, I should have written this book. Let's see if that's the exact title. Don't believe. Yeah. Uh, the author is Joseph N-G-U-Y-E-N. I guess that's Yen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, don't believe everything you think. Hmm. And I listen to this guy and I'm like, this is, He's, he's reading my mind right now. Um, and he's, here's what he says. This is really fascinating. I just a couple points of it that really caught my attention. He says, you can only be motivated by desperation or inspiration. Hmm. And I thought about that, like, holy shit. Yeah. That is so true. Mm-hmm. So you're either like, for example, he uses these examples, but let's say the example is everybody's talking about making money. And you're like, you're either motivated to make money because you're desperate because you want to pay your bills or have a place to live and whatever. You're desperately trying to make money or you're inspired, mm-hmm. right? To make money, sure, right? Something inspires you and then you make money. And he says, he, oh, he goes, desperation motivation never lasts very long. Inspiration motivation is what goes on forever, sure. right? And I, that, that's huge. Yeah. That's a huge idea because, and then he talks about how to find find your inspirations versus try to solve your desperations. Right. And uh, that's a, that's such a big deal. I've always felt like I've been super inspired my whole life. I've never felt, I'm sure I've acted out of desperation many times, but, but I try to, I, that's why I feel like this book really resonated with me. Cause I'm like, I, I tend to do so much better when I'm, I'm motivated out of inspiration. Yeah. And I, and so we were talking on the way to lunch today and we're, you know, you're trying to figure out, man, the team is doing so well, what's going on. In, in, in the car, you just walked, we just walked out of the car a minute ago. And you're like, I've got to figure out how this motivation really happens. It's because it has to be a hundred percent. They're inspired. Yeah. It's they're They're not motivated by desperation. Mm-hmm. They're motivated by being inspired by a bigger picture and not, sure. not trying to solve a, you know, and it's all inspiration. So it, it's, it's, how do you find that inspiration? And there's ways, obviously ways to do it. You know, the putter has been super inspirational to the company, mm-hmm. in my opinion, it has opened a lot of doors for yeah. us. Uh, doors meaning there's people looking at us now like wow we've really created something amazing here that that solves a big problem right, right? And that's and you brought that up uh, before we started the podcast like 
we're innovating the golf world, oh, of absolutely. Golf, right? That's absolutely. our job is to innovate. And the, and it's the inspiration is let's simplify this game. Let's mm-hmm. keep doing it. Right. And so that's what the putter has done. That's what the single plane swing is doing. Yeah. Um, but that's our inspiration, right? And then right. we're going to keep doing that. Yeah. And that's so fun to do. Yeah. Well, and, I, and you're absolutely right about opening doors. I mean, we've had, we've had, you know, a uh, head coach of a, of a major university of a golf team has bought a couple of the putters. I'm like, okay, well, let's see what's going on. We've had hall of fame baseball players. I mean, people outside of some of the norms that, that have, it's like, well, why did he buy our putter? Like what, what made him get his credit card out and come do this? And so I think, you know, and as we see more people that, you know, as soon as they get it right out of the box, it's like, wow, Hey, I just shot my lowest round or, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. And then, and, and the more and more that we hear those stories, it always inspires us. Well, and whether it's the putter or anything else, you know, that, that our, our students do, it's always, it's what, you know, every, every day as we come in and we hear, you know, new story after new story, you know, um, it's definitely what pushes the team, I think. And I think it's, it's also what pushes everyone else. Like if someone else can be out there and can go shoot their lowest score ever with the single plane swing or using a locker room, well, why can't I, mm-hmm. I can go do that. I, you know, it's funny. I was reading a, a comment about the putter and I had this reaction to it. it the, the comment was, well, wait till you get this thing in a tour player's hands, you know, whatever. And, and I thought to myself, this was designed for the non-tour player, <laughs> right? I mean, I was like, okay, great. You know, get it in a tour player's hand and everybody sees a great putter. Fine. But the, the, the inspiration behind the putter was you, you it's going to help the average golfer putt more like a tour player, oh, yeah. you know? So it's like, if people are waiting for a tour player to get in their hand before they validate mm-hmm. the putter, they're missing the point of the putter. The putter is to validate the fact that you are not a tour player right. and this will help you putt better. Yeah. So it's funny. It's, it's, we look for validation and I do it. I see it so much. Well, when a tour player starts doing it, I'll do it. Okay. You need validation. True. Right. But the whole, that's the whole concept behind the single point swing is you, we want the average guy and it's going to help the average guy get better at golf. A, look, a tour player is going to go practice. Right. What's the number one problem we have with our students? They don't practice. They don't practice. Right. Now, there's a 10% that do right. The right. 10% that in the, and the single plan Academy members all get into it, but the 90% don't mm-hmm. practice. So we've got to, if we're going to help them at all, we've got to find simple solutions, single point swing, right. lock and roll putter. So you don't have to look, you still need to practice. Practice will always make you better. Right. But, but we got to find simple ways that outside of that. Okay. You're not going to practice. Look, the reason I love the lock and roll putter. Why do you think I love it so much? Cause you don't have to practice have to practice. Cause I don't like practicing putting. No. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Right. Well, um, and I think the validation side, I mean, you know, we've got guys like Jim Nance that have, you know, got the putter in his hands and, you know, has written us a letter about, you know, how, how, you know, great it is from, from just, you know, being able to, to roll, just be able yeah. to play. And I think, you know, yeah, a lot of people want that validation, but I also look at the guy who posted in our Facebook group saying, um, you know, he went out, played, played one round, had one of his best ball striking days, but his putting sucked. Um, and you know, he had seven or eight, three putts the next day it goes out, hits the ball pretty much the same, but instead has seven, one putts mm. and scores his best round. Massive. First day with a lock and roll putter. Massive. You know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's massive. And I know we've kind of, this has now changed in a little bit on the lock and roll and all that stuff compared to where we're at. But I think it, it, it all, it all circles back around at the end of the t- day about the people that are around, the people that are involved in the organization, those that that come to us that are attracted to Gray's Golf, because we're not for everybody. 
Yeah. You know, single plane swing is not for everybody and that's okay. Yeah. Like, and I think that kind of goes the whole idea of like, well, why aren't more tour players in this? Well, because they've played golf and, and, and we're not for everybody, but there are people that use a single plane methodology. Yeah. And, and that's great. But I think it's also, it's, it's about the people that were around. So like, it's interesting. Like if you went back to my story of how I started swinging on a single plane after meeting Mo, right. Right. I could have said the same thing. I could have walked up and said, well, Mo does it, but who else on tour does this? Sure. Right. Wasn't even a thought in my mind. Yeah. And here's why. Because, because I was desperate. <laughs> that, yeah. that was my motivation. I was desperate because, because the conventional golf swing had made me desperate. Mm-hmm. Like I was literally, I had gone from being a, the more I learned in conventional golf, the more desperate I became. Yeah. Then I saw a simpler way and it inspired me to say, that is the easiest way to get it done. So I was so desperate that I was, that's, I, thank God I was desperate because that's when I actually had enough desperation to look at something outside of conventional golf. Sure. And we see a lot of our students do come out of us, out of, out of I'm going to quit the game, yeah. right? And so desperation, I don't know if it was my motivation, but it was the reason I started looking for something else because I was, I wanted, and then I just looked at the simplicity of Mo and I was like, wow. And then he inspired me, right? Yeah. And then, then the, the, his, the rest is history. So maybe you got to get desperate. Yeah. Maybe somebody's desperation it will, will get you to look outside of your conventional norm. Look, if you go three putt 10 times, you will, you will, you will, you will start looking for anything to putt better. Right? Oh yeah. So, so yeah, desperation, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Right. Right. Um, desperation will sometimes like hitting rock bottom is sometimes the best place to be because you're mm-hmm. want, you're willing to take chances you would never have taken before. Right. That's why when people say, well, when, when no one's on tour doing this, I'm like, well, you may not be desperate enough yet, right? Yeah. Because at some point, golf's gonna, it's gonna be hard. And and look, I was a good golfer at the time. Like I was good, but I was so frustrated at not improving and not being able to do what I wanted to do. And I wanted, maybe it's my mental makeup. I, I wanted a golf swing. I didn't have to practice all the time, yeah. right? I just thought that, God, I, this seems a lot of work. Golf's hard anyway. Yeah. Well, and there's enough guys, you know, if you're looking at it on tour that don't swing a traditional conventional swing, oh, you know, Matt that? Wolf, I mean, and you know, some of those, well, what other is guys. conventional swing? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think we've now in the golf world have kind of got away from that idea of like, everybody needs to swing X way, you know, that, that there's enough variation. It's about at the end of the day, you know, from a tour player, are they performing? Are they, you know, are they winning? Um, from a conventional or from a, from a recreational golfer, are you having fun? Are you able to play not having pain? It's like at the end of the day, what does it matter? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a better, you know, how do you simplify the game? How do you, how do you perform the way that you want? How do you get the results that you're looking for? And, and what's the best way to get there? And we're easiest. one of those and the easiest way to get there. And so we're definitely one of those options for a lot of people, you know, especially, you know, an aging golfer that, you know, really is struggling physically. Uh, and, and we're trying to find, you know, lots of ways to be able to help them improve that. So not only from, you know, the, the putter, from the swing methodology, from new technology that we're using to be able to, uh, you know, help them understand the swing better to ways to, um, get healthier and be more flexible. And, and so lots of new things that we're developing here at Graves Golf to be able to really take that, that well, guy to the I'll, next I'll, level. I'll tell you something interesting. Cause you know, you kind of brought the technology thing up. Um, you're referring to our 4d system yeah. that we have coming out. And so we're, go- I was 
analyzing data in the last three or four days, been looking at a lot of data charts of swing. And there's a lot of data about conventional golf swings out there. And our data matches that data. It's, really? It's, yeah. So, so, so the differences you see in our swing versus other swings, you'll never see it in rotational data. Mm-hmm. You'll never see it in, um, you, you re- will probably won't see it in the bend or side bend data. You're not going to see it in those data points. You'll see it. You, you'll have to study it in, um, in shaft lift data, which, which we don't, we wouldn't even measure. It's fascinating because the more you look at the data, we fit into every conventional data point. We just, we avoid the angles that cause the problems of conventional golf mm. that create this shaft to have problems during yeah. the swing. In other words, we simplify the club movement. Right. It comes down to our swing ha- can reach same max velocities, everything else. It just doesn't have the problem of the shaft movement. Right. It's fascinating. And we've eliminated rotations of like right hand and we've, we, and, and basically we're, we're maxing out ranges of motion with the body parts. So in a nutshell, not to get too crazy technical and all the biomechanic stuff, we have completely taken out unnecessary moving parts, yeah. but, the, but the data points still match conventional data. So in other words, if people are saying, well, the go- you can't produce much speed, there's no data point that mm-hmm. we're like, Hey, we get as much rotation. Right. Right. So we have rot- same rotational velocity. So there's yeah. no reason we shouldn't have the same but people don't understand it. They just see the major difference in how it looks. Sure. Right? Well, and I think, you know, as we say, obviously our major demographic is, is an older, you know, population that, um, which we, you know, which with welcome arms, we know we, we bring in because we're able to help them, you know, continue the game of golf. It also comes down to their health in a lot of ways too. And, and guys don't want to admit that they don't want to admit, Oh, I'm not as strong as I used to be, or my body doesn't rotate as much as I want to be. And so, you know, then we hear the comparisons of, oh, well, you know, single plane just doesn't produce as long of a shot. And I was like, no, it, it does, you know, and it can, you know, especially if you, if you execute the swing properly, you know, I mean, I look at Natalie, I mean, Natalie's had drives out at 297 yards before she's a 15 year old girl, you know, and, and all, anybody yeah, can do that. We, we all see, here's the thing. We know we sit around, sure. and we're around it all day long. Yeah. Right? We're teaching schools. We're seeing our students. We sit all day long. So we, we don't have we don't have to validate it to ourselves. Sure. I, I mean, I got a, I got a young guy that hits it a zillion miles, right? but he's also six foot three and has levers longer than, you know, twice as long as my arms. Yeah. So, so, so there is, there is a mechanical benefit to having a body that can produce more speed, Correct. but from a mechanical standpoint, rotation, bend, side bend metric, mm-hmm. there's nothing, nothing, that, different. That, nothing that should say that the swing doesn't produce speed. Now, if you do it incorrectly, like you mentioned, if you grip the club and you take some exaggerated, palm grip, which we don't recommend, right. but you do that kind of stuff. And you start thinking, ah, oh, you can probably lose some speed because you're mechanically, sure. you know, slowing the club down, but it doesn't, it, it, single point swing is just as powerful and, and, and now more accurate. And it saves, you have less of the compression on the spine and all those things. And people who follow us know all this stuff, but, yeah. but it is interesting. You know, it, it is interesting to, to be in a, uh, the situation we always get put in and me as an instructor is, and I don't do it much anymore. And I don't try to prove anything to anybody. I don't, I don't, it's just not something I'm, yeah. I, if somebody says, well, prove it to me. I'm like, hey, I'll hit some balls for you. you know? sure. And I'll be happy to explain it to you. And I love teaching it. And I love talking about it. And I love showing you the mechanics of the swing. Cause that's what I'm into. And that's what I've loved to do. But for me to sit there and go, well, well, why is this better than so-and-so? It's like, I don't, you know, look, I, it's not, I mean, he's a good player. He sure. should keep swinging like he's swinging. And if that swing works for you, go swing that way. Right. right? 
but golf's hard. And, yeah. and you know, if, if we can simplify this thing down, just like you said, if, if our, our mission, our job and the values of Graves Golf is to simplify the game and we're going to do everything we can to continue right. with not only the mechanics and the teaching that we do to the clubs we build, to the way we teach it. Yep. That's how we do it. Absolutely. You know? And that's, and uh, are we perfect? No, but we are better than we've ever been. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're really good at it. Thanks to you and, and the team and, and having just this incredible motivation and inspiration to continue that is huge for us. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah, no, and I definitely agree. And I think I'm excited about the future for us and what we can are able to continue to do for the people that want to be around us, you know, that share our values and, well, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll put the final plug in here and we'll, and we'll wrap up. You, I know you, you're just go back in town. You got to get back to work uh, <laughs> and I got to get into a meeting, but I will say this Graves golf performance center is coming along Oh my gosh. and we're so excited. Um, doors of the facility are going in tomorrow for the That's other facility. Nice. Yeah. You'll find out at the three thirty meeting today. But, oh, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, so we'll get an update on everything, but the doors are going in and, uh, and they're putting sod down on Monday okay. for the range. Cause he said the rain really helped us got the ground in a good spot tons of stuff going on. So God, next spring. Oh, it's going to be incredible. Next spring. We're all in there. Holy yeah. cow. It's going to be so crazy. We'll be sitting in our podcast room at that Ooh, point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And Clayton's looking over here going, I, I want to set it up. It ought to be set up. I have to do this setup all the time in this dang office we have. Yeah. Sorry. We actually cut that room. There wasn't space for it. We put the new uh, health center in there. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> now we got it. All right. Well, Thomas, thanks for joining me. Let's, uh, Keep, keep it rolling here at Graves Golf. You're doing a great job and it's Thank so you. it's so fun to watch and uh, let's keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I know it's been a tough, tough week for you and you know, I'm sorry for, for your loss and, and your dad, but, um, you know, he's, he's, his inspiration lives in you all. Appreciate and that. you and your brother. Appreciate so. that. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's been a great podcast. We'll see you in the next one. 